This is Unfilter, episode 169 for December 9th, 2015. And President Obama holding a rare Oval Office address to calm the nation on edge. The president outlining his plans to take down ISIS and protect Americans just weeks after claiming ISIS was contained. This was an act of terrorism designed to kill innocent people. Our nation has been at war with terrorists since Al-Qaeda killed nearly 3,000 Americans on 9-11. Fresh off the campaign trail of Donald Trump. My name is Chase Nunes, and welcome again to another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you shouldn't be watching. Actually, I should be up front. I was really in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Uh, coming back to the show, and uh, there's that guy over there. He's been doing the show for all these weeks. Uh, big props to producer Matt, big props to our Patreons, and big props to Mr. Chris Fisher. Hey, Chris. Yeah, it's good to be back, Chase. It's good to be back. I know I've been gone for a while. No, no, and, no, no, uh, no, no, no. The other way around. The other way around. <laughs> Actually... You know, we get into the unfiltered show. I, I wasn't, you know, I don't want to scare newcomers away. You yeah. know me. I don't like to. You, I, you don't like to strike the, I, I the like Donald to, Trump fear into them. I like to ease people into the conspiracy bacon usually on the unfiltered yeah. show because the newbies get scared. But right off the top, I do have a little bacon to fry. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this bacon, by the way, you know, in honor from uh, Havana, Cuba. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I couldn't help it. I mean. Now, I'm not saying chase, but hey, I'm, hey, I'm just hey, saying. Hey, just cut to the chase. Come on, let's go. Uh, hey, oh. Come on. I just happened to notice that your absence has perfectly matched the 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 dramatic uh-huh. the dramatic reveal of Volkswagen's altering of diesel tests. Don't, and, no. And don't now, get me started on that. And don't now, do this. And now it's out of the news and oh. guess who comes back? Mr. Chase Nunes, driver of a Volkswagen diesel. <laughs> I I got some bacon for you, everybody. Uh, I got some bacon for you right here. Don't get me started on Volkswagen. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you want to literally want to know what grinds my car gears, that's it. Because yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been frauded. Yeah. I feel like that they, they copped a feel and didn't charge me for the reach around. No, 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 no. All right, listen, listen. Why Come on. Let's do it in the post show. Let's do it. please. We should get into it. Let's get into it. If you want to hear about my thoughts, tune into the post show. Well, it's good to have you back, and there is a lot to get into. We got a couple of reclap, reclap? The clap clips. We got a couple of clap clips. That's what we should just call them from now on. Clap clips. A couple of clap clips that uh, will get you reacquainted with a couple of things. Turns out, I would say, and I'm not trying to brag, I'm not, yeah. but I would just say a lot of the stuff that you and I sort of speculate and said only this makes sense yeah. since you've been gone, totally revealed to be true. Am I not shocked? Yeah, no, Am I not surprised? I know, I know, but, yeah, but like with the, with, the, with the Syria stuff and the ISIS yeah. stuff and the Russia stuff. Yeah. We've been on point. And okay. so this week, I'm going to just sort of recap some of the clips that just sort of show while now it's not just you and I saying it anymore, like U.S. senators are saying it and things like that. Yeah. So it has a little more weight. But, you know, Chase, as been tradition on long, long, for a long time here on the Unfilter Show, we do like to start in the cyber world. Ah, uh, we're going to go cyber. That is right. And uh, we're going to talk about the most important cyber world of them all, social media and the pressure that social media is under because of terrorism. Fox Business Alert for you. Social media sites buckling down to better track terror. Cheryl Cassoni from our sister network, Fox Business, here to tell us some more. Good morning, Cheryl. 
Well, good morning, ladies. Mounting pressure on social media sites like Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter to monitor and yeah. remove violent content or propaganda from terror groups. This in the wake of the attack in San Bernardino where posts from Tashfeen Malik were discovered on the Facebook site. Oh, let's stop right there. So uh, we're going to talk more about the shooting in a little bit. And their link to ISIS is, is that Facebook post is extremely, extremely relevant. So please, everybody, keep that in mind. Facebook, for instance, usually counts on its 1.5 billion users to report offensive content. Well, officials in both the United States and Britain are issuing warnings about hoverboards. Let's stop there. So uh, hoverboards, God. Chase. <laughs> you know All what? Right. There was a hoverboard story at work today. Really? Yeah. And what it comes down to is, you know, these stands in the, in the by the way, distraction alert, distraction yeah, yeah, alert. Yeah. These, these stands that are set up in the malls, they're, sh- they're selling these imported cheap hoverboards from China. And uh, by the way, you're going to hear that at some point. You're going to hear China, and it's going to be another little small jab yeah. at China yeah, because I they're agree. making sub-quality uh, yeah. materials. I, I so uh, I want to talk about uh, this uh, this this issue just for a second. Uh, th- a lot of times, the claims for if like a shooting was ISIS inspired or ISIS supported or ISIS backed, those claims are coming through one source, and they're publishing on social media. Uh, the report that was taken down before the shooting that the wife in the shooting claimed allegiance to ISIS was that report came from one source again via Facebook and then right. reported by one institution. So I think the social media aspect of this is very important. Uh, so that's why I wanted to cover that because that's going to play more importance later as we get into the show. Right. And then I want to talk about concerns that we seem to be having now about terrorists using technology to evade the law force, the law what? enforcement. Yeah, technology. Are, are we going to hear the words dark web in this segment? <laughs> or encryption? <laughs> right. We appear to be in the dark finding out what happened and who was behind it if anyone else was behind it. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill joining us right now. You So bring in Rob O'Neill. Oh, you wait. remember Rob O'Neill. All right, so so what's his lower third this week? Oh, I'm so glad you remembered this because you got to listen to his intro of Rob O'Neill. Every, now, what have we noticed? Every time they bring in Rob O'Neill, yeah, it's different like, explanation. Yeah, it's like world class yellow ribbon award winner yeah. navy seal who saved 5000 people yeah. and then yeah. it'll be like so the first time they ever brought it on it was the man who killed osama bin laden right yeah, yeah. and then yeah. it was in the lower yeah. third yeah. the man who killed yes. osama yeah. bin laden and right. then later on it's like the man who might have helped kill osama bin laden and then later on it was a man with knowledge of the death of osama bin laden like it kept changing right. and then yeah. it was right. like yeah. navy seal uh, you know yeah. right? navy uh, and, a seal team 6 yeah, yeah. and all that yeah, so yeah. now listen to this like this introduction he just trips yeah. all over okay. himself you might remember rob as the guy who was behind and helped wait kill. a minute Osama bin Laden wait a minute his wardrobe <laughs> has actually been improving as well he's he now has a actually to be fair he's got party going up on top and nothing at the <laughs> yeah sorry I, you know that's the case <laughs> that's right now he says he's first he says the man behind Osama bin Laden that helped kill or something or something like listen to this word okay all right and helped kill Osama bin Laden very good to oh have he you helped again, kill friend. yeah you might remember he's... Rob as the guy who was behind and helped kill Osama bin Laden. Very like, they just Wait, keep he changing. was behind and helped kill them. <laughs> Good to have you again, all my right. friend. What, what do you make of this and, and, and all the, the, the back and forth about what we can't get uh, right now because of encryption and all the rest that makes it impossible to... You know, this damn encryption We just case. can't get it we because can't. it's encrypted. To, to decipher. Yeah. Well, Neil, this is one of those times where... You need to pretty much decide as American citizens what's important. Um, yes, we want our, you know, our, our privacy and our freedoms, but we also want our, the fine folks of the FBI and other uh, uh, government agencies to be able to find what they're doing. So we need help from these companies like Google and Apple 
uh, right to the even, chase. You know, they're making these uh, PlayStations and all kinds of other Making these PlayStations, yeah. Wait. Chris? Yeah, making these PlayStations. So, I'm sorry. I, I just fell back in my chair after yeah. I heard that. So, so he talked about Apple. Yeah. Okay, he Google, talked about Google. Because they're making the yeah. phones. And, and PlayStation. Yeah, that was early on in the Paris attacks. The reports were that they might have been using PlayStation. Oh, PlayStation for, chat. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To assist the government with... It, when they find someone that's, that's communicating encrypted with someone in Syria, in Saudi Arabia, someone Wait, that's suspicious. Wait, how would they even know if it's I encrypted? Know. I know. this. I love that they bring in Rob uh, O'Neill. So let's move on because that guy's not going to get us dude. anywhere. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Uh, go go kill you know, another Osama. Before we go too much further in the encryption thing, they there's are. something we don't talk enough about yeah. in this show, and that is the national security letters, the NSLs as they call them. Yeah. And this allows the FBI to bypass encryption. So if you have a company like Google or Dropbox or any cloud storage provider at all, any of them, they generally yeah. have. Yeah. One key for all of the encrypted data, so that way they can do backups, they can do dedupes. There's no way for them to properly do a dedupe if they can't look at everybody's data, right? right? They can't make public URLs available if they can't look at your data. So they have access to your data if it's on a cloud service. And so the FBI doesn't need to decrypt Gmail in transit because they can go to Google directly and hand them a national security letter. Well, something big has happened. The first national security letter, gaggle, gaggle, has been removed. You know, like they, oh, they, that's right. I was reading about this on Ars Tech. Yes, yeah. So yeah, it's huge. There's 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 tons of them out there, but yeah. they all have gag orders and NDAs. Well, the first gag order has been lifted, and now we get to learn a little bit about it. First time sensitive details of the FBI's warrantless surveillance program have been released. It's all thanks to an American IT worker turned activist who's now won a long legal right to expose the agency's secrets. In 2004, Nicholas Merrill, the owner of an internet service provider received a demand from the FBI to disclose the private data of one of his clients. Well, at the time, Merrill refused. Indeed, he took the agency to court for 11 long years. A gag order barred him from speaking out publicly until now. He's released the original letter which the FBI sent him. The agency demanded that he hand over data to his clients, uh, of his clients' IP address, even cell phone tracking records as well. Investigators also wanted all of the person's electronic order forms as well as any other transaction records. A lot of information requested there. We asked Nicholas Merrill why he refused to comply. The reason that I didn't want to uh, cooperate with this uh, demand immediately was because uh, it was not a legal demand. I've spent a quarter of my life now with this legal challenge to government collecting information on everyone without a warrant, but I don't feel like it's a waste of a quarter of my life. I'm the only person who has managed to fully be released from one of these gag orders uh, out, of, out of the half a million uh, national security letters that have been sent out. What I was half able to reveal just wow. now was that with a national security letter, the FBI is able to collect a huge amount of data on people. Yeah, and I think that's something to keep in mind when we talk about bulk collection programs being changed yeah. or getting access to encryption. They have this tool, which is just – it is just – Oh, it's a blanket. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, taking, it's taking a hatchet to something that needs a, a, a scalpel. Uh, so um, something that I, I got on my high horse – you know, sometimes I do that. You do that a, not that often. About, about, about once but, an episode. But yeah, actually. But, but actually, yeah. And, and I made a point uh, that – one of the best things that would ever happen to the U.S. intelligence services or, or any half-competent intelligence service or maybe even somebody as competent as Alan Jude would be for ISIS to develop their own encryption app. 
Oh. Do you know why that is? Oh, then no one would ever have the keys, right? Right. No one would ever have the keys, right? And this yeah. is this is the big worry. ISIS could develop their own encryption app, and this would be a really secure way for them to communicate, right? Right. So I want to play a little bit of this. Were they engaged, the killers, in encrypted communications? Uh, at this point in time, uh, we don't know, but I would not be surprised. We're talking about the San Bernardino shooters right here. Uh, they did not use encrypted communications. Prize Wolf, as you reported earlier, the Garland Texan. Uh, but now we're shifting gears. There was another terrorism case. There was a Texan one where, where she was doing like a couple of hundred messages, about almost a hundred messages encrypted. And we have no idea what she said, but we think they might have gone to somebody in Syria. Texas case involved over a hundred encrypted uh, messages to Junaid Hussein out of Raqqa, uh, Syria. And just last week, this last week, ISIS now has developed their own encrypted app. Uh, this is a serious issue for the FBI, for Homeland Security, for uh, law enforcement. If you can't see what the uh, terrorists are communicating, uh, you can't stop that threat. So this is a major development. If ISIS has its own encrypted app right now that allows it... This is CNN Breaking News. Breaking Holy news. crap. ISIS has its own encrypted application, Chase. Oh, my gosh. Supporters, sympathizers to communicate. That's certainly something that would be hard to penetrate by the FBI or the NSA or U.S. law enforcement. Well, in fact, if we have a court order or a Title III wiretap, FISA, we still can't see the communications. So if someone in Iraq is talking to someone in New York or Washington or Paris or Belgium, if you can't see what they're saying... Uh, you can't stop that act of terror. So when they, I, I, I cannot, I cannot underscore how much I hope this is true. This, <laughs> this would be, right. this yes. would fundamentally be the best thing to happen to technologists in this whole ISIS war because there's two two points I have. Uh, the 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 worst kind of crypto is the crypto you implement yourself. Yeah. The, if you look at all of the uh, secure communication apps out there, the ones that constantly fail. Remember that cat messenger? One? What was I that do. called? Uh, uh, I, you know what I'm talking yeah, about, though, yeah. right? That was like a Chrome browser extension. That was like CryptoCat. That was the one everybody yeah. was talking about. They had their own. They had their own homebrewed crypto. Guess what? Cracked by people on the internet. Anytime you brew your own crypto, you are you are taking on one of the world's greatest challenges. And what you're saying is, I'm such a hotshot developer. That I and I'm such a mathematician that I can account for crappy random number generators in Intel CPUs and in Linux kernels and in the Windows operating system. I can I can account for the fact that their networking TCP/IP packets can be guessed in sequence. I can account for all of the intelligence agencies that have unbelievable computing power, and I can develop my own secure application for communications that the NSA, with its near quantum level computing, won't be able to crack. That's what you're saying when you're saying you're going to develop your right. application. Yeah. Absolutely impossible. We all know the only encryption that works is the encryption that has been tried and true and been around for a long time based on open standards that has been audited by the public that has been in production for a while that's things like gpg and ssl these are the only types of security that genuinely work because they have been in production for years the ones that fail are the ones that are self-implemented you can just look at the most recent secure applications so are they advertising this because they want to uh, enlist the white hat community to kind of get in there and i think i think guys like this this lawmaker are just complete and total dumbasses and he has no idea what he's talking <laughs> about uh so but do you believe do you believe that isis no is, isil no i don't dash has, no i don't but okay then i have one other point that okay. i think is extremely important to make all right if isis is developing ISIL. dash is developing their own encrypted communications right doesn't that fundamentally undermine the argument that they need backdoor access to all the encrypted apps 
If yeah, ISIS absolutely. is using, they're, if they're yeah. not using Telegram, if they're not using iMessage, if they're not using Hangouts, why do they need built-in backdoor access to these applications? If they're off using their own encryption, then that should be off the table now. That's because true. guess what? You're not helping us stop terrorism. So not only are they fundamentally undermining their own argument about why they need backdoor access, but it actually, from an NSA's perspective, would be the best thing possible for them to use their own crypto because it would be amateur crypto. And it's, it, you know what? You could have the smartest people in the world, like literally the best developers in the world, and their day one crypto will not be as good as something that has been in existence for years. So it literally does not matter who ISIS has developing their crypto. If they truly have their own encrypted communications app, it would actually be the best thing possible to happen to the NSA. Well, well to be fair, Chris, uh, that's why they're going to the manufacturers and they're going to the OS developers. That's why they're going to Google. That's why they're mm-hmm. going to Apple, because they're like, eh, well, we're just going to go right to the phones. Yeah. We're just going to go right to them. Yeah. That's yeah. why they're trying to say there's no specific incredible uh, information of a plot in the United States, it's hard to know that if you can't see what they're saying. So if ISIS has its own app for encrypted communications, then these uh, sympathizers are terrorists. They don't have to go to Google or Facebook or some ah. other U.S. Uh, uh, yeah. company to get online, if you will, and yeah, use this encrypted communication technology. Correct. And we have no legal jurisdiction over this. So he's literally admitting it is undermining their argument that they need backdoor access to Apple or Google. He just said there would be no jurisdiction there. There'd be nothing they could do. Where's the uh, APK for this? I'm just <laughs> right. curious. Yeah. And then this is a, actually a very frightening development because it allows them to freely communicate without our ability to intercept. Again, I disagree. It would actually be fantastic because ISIS would be under the impression that they are communicating securely. They would think they're having encrypted communications when, well, rea- in, when in reality right. it would be something that would be easily cracked by wait, the world's minute, five eyes. Wait a minute. Side angle here. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're they're talking about this. Because yeah. they want them to, to push that to would, use this app. You know, that would imply that these people are so savvy that they understand how this stuff works. And I, I think this guy literally, I mean, look at this guy. Look at that. <laughs> he looks like he's Mike. You know what? Micro expressions are legit. That's a, that's a huge new development because uh, uh, James Comey, the FBI director, has told me personally his biggest fear right now. Over lunch. ISIS represents the major threat to the U.S. homeland, but the encrypted communications is a nightmare for the FBI. Ooh, I agree yeah. with the director. I agree with the director. The encrypted communications is the worst thing ever. And so you know what you need to do, Chase? One second. You need to stop it at the source. You need to get it while it's still a seed being watered. This is 100% legitimate propaganda that is coming out of the UK. It was linked to me by uh, by Popey from Linux Unplugged. Uh, this is going to give you a little bit of chills. But this essentially, I believe, marks the new war on geeks. Ollie's such a clever boy. Such a clever boy. <laughs> Custard cream. Spends all night on, on his, his computer. computer. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, how smart is this? You know them shooter games? The other day he was losing, so he crashed the server. Proper whiz kid. It's amazing what kids can do these days. Night, Ollie. Or what do they call it? D-dossing. That's it, I saw it on the telly. And he's no dosser though, are Ollie? A hundred percent in maths. Every single exam for the last two years. Not to mention his GCSE coursework. It's going to go a long way. Down the M11 to Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> Computer sciences degree. Top career in computing. <laughs> Internet billionaire by the time he's 25. The next Steve Gates. <laughs> you know, he's very clever with his money too. He's got more in his account than me. <laughs> Chocolate finger. And we only give him a tenner a week. Told us he robbed a bank. Anyway, that's probably enough of us rambling on. No, not at all. In fact, best if we start again. 
from the beginning. Oh. Cybercrime wrecks lives. Help your child make the right choices. Make them a librarian today. From the National Crime Agency. So that is actually a PSA. Does that not give you a little bit of the uh, EBGBs? Really? The war on geeks, my friend. The Aye. war on geeks. That's just no good. Uh, I don't. I do not like this. Also, uh, if you are an Unfilter uh, supporter, we have the document about the new uh, ISIL. ISIS, Chris. Dash, Dash. Uh, a new Islamic State launches an Android app for news and recruitment. We got that information in the supporters sync. Nice. Hey, do you remember like um, a year ago when I got on my soapbox again and I was like, they don't even call them ISIS in the Middle East. They're, right. They call them Dash. Right. And now, legitimately, is now they're starting to pull it out. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, because just, they hate the term and they're I, like, ah, oh, you know, if we use the same term, we'll. No, I think that's, points. you know what I think, Maybe. You, know, you know why I think they're, stir- here's my little, uh, I got a little bacon, I don't know if this is true, but More I do More bacon! Yeah, this is a bacon heavy More episode. More Cuban bacon. This is a, this is a heavy, you brought a lot of bacon back, buddy. I did. Lots uh, of good bacon. You know what, you know what I think it is? What? Is because ISIS and ISIL imply the Middle East, and now they want, they want to be able to, ha- they want to be able to associate attacks that happen in Paris or in San Bernardino, they want to associate them with the same terror group, and so Daesh or Dash would give them global reach, uh, right? It's not, it's not, it's not limited to Iraq and, and Syria anymore. It's a better marketing term. It is. It's a better branding term because yeah. it gives them a global reach. See, that was the great thing they got with the database. I mean, Al Qaeda is that they had this global. Al Qaeda didn't imply a certain region. It implied a global reach. That's why they could smash planes into towers. And so, if Daesh or Daesh or Dash has global reach, that's a much scarier brand. It's but, a brand upgrade, my but friend. But Chris, uh, w- would they still call it Dash Affiliates? Hmm. I, you know, I like the way it's clean. I like the way it sounds. It reminds me of that Mrs. Dash Spice. Ah, that's nice. Lots of MSG. Hey, you want to talk about uh, something that's uh, kind of horrible? Well, we've already <laughs> talked about a lot of horrible <laughs> things. <laughs> let's, let's, so this was a crazy thing. So these San Bernardino shooters, uh, this was a breaking story as I was going on the air last week. I was watching it in the belly of the beast. I yeah. was watching the breaking yeah. as it was breaking. Yeah, you were one of the first people to tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, if you had Well, told, well uh, I, I was, uh, it was encrypted communications. Yeah, we get, it was on Telegram, so we can't really tell. Yeah, we Anyways, uh, so you were onto it first. You were, you were onto a couple of interesting trends about it early I, on. Yes, yes, I was. And uh, I was watching this, and I think I, you'll agree – one of the big things that stuck out was three shooters, three shooters, three shooters, three shooters, right. three shooters. Three, three, three. Yeah, anyways, so uh, it, was, it was fascinating to go on the air as the story was developing, and now here we are. We're going to talk about it a little bit, and uh, I want to cover this first story because this is the, the most current clip we have on it. FBI investigators are looking at indications. Actually, I lie. We'll get to the most current clip. This gives you a good background on it. And Saeed Farouk may have been radicalized. Phone communications reveal the gunman had been in touch with FBI terrorism subjects over the last several years, though officials say they were not considered high-priority subjects. He was not on the radar screen of our agency. If you're an unfiltered supporter and you listen to the supporter show, you know that... Uh, 
the uh, shooter was actually being investigated for a couple of weeks. Like that's some, oh really? Mm-hmm, yeah, well, that's so new. We played some clips about that in the supporter show. So he actually was on the radar. In fact, when they were, if you're listening to the scanners during the shooting, uh, they talk about the fact that uh, they his name was known to the police officers because there was an active investigation into him. So this was he was known to the FBI and law enforcement. But now they're like, no, we didn't. We didn't know that. Well, that clip is in the unfiltered supporter show. Uh, prior prior to yesterday, law enforcement. Officials say Farouk's behavior at a company holiday party Wednesday raised concerns with at least one witness. We did have some initial information that he, he left under some kind of duress or as if he was angry. We also had somebody else say that, you know, he just kind of disappeared. We don't know where he went from there. <clears throat> did you hear about this? No, I didn't hear about that at all. So you knew, you know, it was like a, it was like a Christmas party that he was at, Well, right? yeah, I knew about that. Yeah, yeah, I knew that part. Yeah, uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, it was a Christmas party that he was at. And uh, I just thought this and part— And he left in a rage, but I think that was just all a show. Well, listen to this clip and tell me if you think maybe this gives you some context as to maybe why he would have left in a rage. Winston, Jennifer Falasino says she was in love with a man who loved God, who was born again, who was very blunt and open about his criticism of the Muslim faith. So this is one of the victims. Uh, the uh, No, I'm sorry. This is the wife of one of the victims. I'm sorry. Who they're talking about is one of the victims. Okay. So the widow of one of the victims is going to share us a little insight about her husband who was in this room with the shooter before he left. Wow. She says when he was at work, he evangelized to everybody about his beliefs and he worked with the killer Farouk. She believes that Farouk did not like that very much. Everybody else to have that same feeling and he just wanted to evangelize to everybody and that's what he did. So this is the widow here and she's talking about her now deceased husband. Did he evangelize with this guy Farouk? Um, I'm sure he would have talked to him and probably evangelized with him. I'm sure they would have had discussions about religion because my husband wouldn't discuss religion with anybody that would listen. See, with all due respect, and, you know, I feel sorry for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a widow, and this was a terrible tragedy. I think there's there's some things that you shouldn't do at work. I mean, I— So let's just let's just say I mean, maybe gosh, at the party man. there was some evangelizing. I mean, it's not—it's not, it's not like it shouldn't lead to murder. And, well, you know. right, yes, of course. <laughs> but let's—so <laughs> no. like, keep listening. Yeah. The, the husband sounds like a very interesting character. And yeah. the fact that they were coming from two different backgrounds— but as far as I know, um, there had been no um, arguments or um, bad feelings or anything like that prior to what happened yesterday. You've been open about this, and so has your husband, about what he has said about Muslims in the past. Yeah. He is anti-Muslim. Oh, jeez. What has he said? Um, he's just, he's very, he's very upset about what ISIS has been doing. What ISIS has been doing. And the radicalized Muslims. But, He's upset about the wait, radicalized Muslims. That is not... ISIS is not the Muslim religion. So imagine this guy who is wow. an evangelist who wants to tell people about Christianity who doesn't like Muslims and doesn't like what ISIS so, has been so doing. He's already, he's already being uh, racist, stereotype, uh, you know, lay, labeling already. Right, and this is the uh, widow talking about this guy to the news. Wow. About what ISIS has been doing and the radicalized Muslims, Al-Qaeda, the whole situation um, is 
upset about the fact that the majority of the Muslims, you know. The majority of the Muslims. She, he there is, is a, over a billion. He is upset over the majority of the Muslims. Oh, my upset God. Upset about the fact that the majority of the Muslims, you know, it's like they won't come out and do something about it. It's like. So those, do, you think he, do you think he talked to Farouk about that? Um, he might have. Wow. And do you have any knowledge at all from anyone you've talked to of what happened at the function yesterday with Farouk? No, I just, I know that supposedly there was an argument. Supposedly there was an argument. Yesterday with Farouk. No, I just, I know that supposedly there was an argument. Now remember, witnesses reported that he left the scene, the shooter left the scene angry. And I won't be surprised. Oh, hold on, let me back that up. At the function yesterday with Farouk. No, I just, I know that supposedly there was an argument and very easily could have been an argument with my husband. I won't be surprised. This is the widow. Imagine, imagine a scenario where ISIS isn't involved at all, but somebody who's extremely, two people who are extremely passionate about their religions spark something that gets out of hand. Imagine, wow. imagine a world where ISIS never has anything to do with this. And wouldn't this just be very interesting? And that's why the wow. FBI director says, don't let fear become disabling. We're here today because we want to make sure you understand that this is now a federal terrorism investigation. This is a huge deal. This is a historic moment. The fact that we're calling this homegrown radicalized terrorism is a really, really, really big deal. Led by the FBI. And the reason for that is that the investigation so far has developed indications of radicalization by the killers and of a potential uh, inspiration by foreign terrorist organizations. Now, do you know where that inspiration is coming from? Mm. We'll get to that. And uh, we are spending a tremendous amount of time, as you might imagine, over the last 48 hours trying to understand the motives of these killers and trying to understand every detail of their lives. You know what I, I don't understand and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't connect for me is there's a, couple of pic, there's a couple of things that just are not quite connecting together like if this was a puzzle. Uh, the first being why isn't anybody talking about the fact that the shooter was a government employee? We're making this to be a, a radical Muslim shooting. But we're not – but this just – if this was the 90s, this would have been somebody going postal and this would have been a government shooting. But now in the new context, in the new narrative, it's a radical Muslim shooting. Well, in, in, well, in the reason being, Chris, is because after 9-11 and the Patriot Act was signed, they actually divine, uh, defined what domestic terrorism is. Oh, yeah. You probably – yeah, OK. So, so that's, that's why. You know, whole going postal you know, phase was before that. Right. So once they, they've kind of defined what a What terrorism is, then we get to call things and, – and, and calling right. it terrorism sort of justifies things like the TSA and justifies domestic surveillance and it justifies national security letters and things right. like that. And also something else not being brought up in the discussion is the fact that the guns that they used were illegal in California. So, uh, you know, a lot of gun discussion, a lot of gun control discussion here. But the fact of the matter is the guns they were well, using. So, so were they tr- brought into the state and purchased in a different state? Because they were. I, we I have thought, not been given that information. See, I thought that we've been told that they were purchased legally through legal means. Right. But, but like they where, were able to track to where they were purchased from and all that fun stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So so this but that kind of underscores my point is how do you make certain kinds of guns illegal in one place when they're completely legal in another place, right? right. And so when that happens then we don't talk about it. Then when right. that's that's not that's not a convenient thing so we don't we don't mention it. Right. We are going through a very large volume of electronic evidence. This is electronic evidence that these killers tried to destroy and tried to conceal from us. Uh, that we now have and are exploiting to try and understand them. Our investigation to date, and again, it's only two days old, 
so far, we have no indication that these killers are part of an organized larger group or form part of a cell. All right, so let's stop right there because this is a bit older clip. Let's bring us uh, up to date. Fox News alerts. We have breaking news in the San Bernardino terror investigation. FBI Director James Comey just moments ago speaking to the Senate Judiciary Committee saying that the San Bernardino killers were radicalized well before last week's deadly terrorist attack. Listen to the detail from James Comey. Now, before he goes, James Comey is going to talk about how they met online. And, and, and that they radicalized before they courted, I, I mean met, or whatever he says. Right. It's, it's awkward the way he says it, but essentially he says that uh, they, they met online. Before today, the entire narrative was that he traveled to Saudi Arabia, met her, she radicalized him, they came back, he brought her in, and then this happened. In fact, the, the news spent days on, did a woman radicalize a man? Oh my goodness. And it was like this huge right, deal. Right, yeah, I remember that whole push. Yes. Absolutely. So uh, it was, he traveled to Saudi Arabia, he met the love of his life. Now, all of a sudden, they met online. And then because they met online, the internet's a boogeyman. Moments ago. San Bernardino involved two killers who were radicalized for quite a long time before their attack. In fact, our investigation to date, which I can only say so much about at this point, indicates that they were actually radicalized before they started uh, courting or dating each other online. And online... Wait a minute. If you knew about this a couple of years ago and you knew all about this because, you know, you're looking no, at it, oh, no, I mean, you're no, splicing no, 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 prism no, and uh, no. what about prism, Chris? No, no. We need prism. No, 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 no,
were also the same people who reported that ISIS says that they were followers, that ISIS claims that they were not supporting it, but the ISIS that this claims that they were followers they were, of ISIS. Yeah, full The same partner, outfit right. that reported that is also the same outfit that was the original source and reported every single ISIS video that was released. Wow. It's the site intelligence group. It's Rita Katz, and I take you back a year ago. How did your organization obtain the video? Check it. Hi, uh, we have been, we at SITE have been uh, researching the jihadi threat online. That's Rita Katz. Uh, Rita Katz was born in Iraq. She grew up in Israel. Her husband is uh, a spy who works for the Israeli intelligence agency, and uh, she runs the SITE intelligence group. Rita Katz has been the singular source for every single credit to ISIS. If there was a shooting in Texas or in Paris, if there was credit to ISIS, she, that woman right there, has been the singular credit of all of them. She's the one that claims to report that there was a Facebook post by the wife under an alias. She's the one that claims to report that ISIS says that these people were ISIS supporters. Every single time ISIS has claimed credit for an attack, she has been the person who has been the source. Every video, every beheading, when that pilot was burned in a cage, all of that, this woman and site intelligence group is the singular source of all of it. For over a decade, follow their steps, monitor their activities, and study their activities online. So Rita there studies their activities online, Chase. Any time Al-Qaeda or ISIS become more and more sophisticated and adapt new technology, we follow that technology. So when ISIS or Al-Qaeda adapt new technology, Rita there, follow that new technology. And we study their techniques. So then they follow their techniques and study okay, them. Right. And so this is how she's able to get exclusive access. This is, this is her technique to be the only source for all of this reporting. By doing that, we can predict where they might be uploading the videos online. Predict? They can predict where they might be uploading the videos online. This is this is Rita from the horse's mouth. After all, these videos are being disseminated online. They are published online. Mm-hmm. And so they have to go somewhere online for the dissemination. Because they're being uploaded online, they have to go online. And because they are online, they're going online for dissemination. Uh, we looked and found. So they looked and they found. So you looked and you found it. So they looked and they found it and they reported on it. And this is the singular source for all attributions, for all of the beheading wow. videos, for all of the Jihadi John right there. All the, And by the way, all that information is in the show notes. Wow. So that's the site intelligence group. So when they say that these, this couple pledged allegiance to ISIS, that woman is the source of that pledge. When they say that ISIS supports this attack, that woman is the source of that. So she is it. That one person and the site intelligence group, which is a total sham. And by the way, her husband is an Israeli spy. By the way. Just, yeah, remember, we, yeah, we heard about that. Yeah. Just so you yeah. know. Hmm. More you know, everybody. Yeah, that's going to get me in trouble. That's going to get me in trouble. So uh, now you mentioned it a little bit earlier. You kind of inferred uh, there was a bit of a clown show. The uh, There was some back and forth about the landlord. I have some uh, links in the show notes where the landlord claims 
that he didn't actually really give them access. Even though there's video of him saying, yeah, you can yeah, go you in there. Yeah, you go for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, now he's saying that's not. Anyways, links in the show notes. But uh, this was really uh, one of the most interesting spots. Uh, what happened was there was a dead animal and all of these vultures landed and just started picking away at the meat. Talk more now about the media invasion of the shooter's home. Fox News media analyst and host of Fox's Media Buzz, Howie Kurtz, is here tonight. Howie, I mean, this is 50 hours after the attack. Have you ever seen anything like this? Have you ever seen anything like this? Uh, no. 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 Absolutely not. Getting in, like, could you imagine, like, Ted Kaczynski or something like that getting in there just fifth? Like, well, uh, they, they said, though, please clear the apartment. It's all right. I really haven't bred, and former homicide detective and Fox contributor Rod Wheeler tells me he hasn't either. I know the FBI said today it was done with the apartment and didn't object, but this is extremely unusual to let a gang of reporters just rummage through the place, especially in such a high-profile case of mass murder. Meanwhile, the tabloid show Inside Edition declined to comment today when we asked about a report that it had paid $1,000 to the landlord for the earliest access to that apartment. So how did the networks handle it? Well, CNN delayed its live coverage a bit. It was careful in what it I want to stop. Oh, hi. I want to stop here because uh, this was really this was really fascinating. And instead of listening to the meta coverage, this is a hypercut of some of the awkward moments. MSNBC was the most offensive. Uh, Obama's personal network, and uh, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, one of their head anchors is literally married to somebody in the Obama administration. Anyways, uh, this is the most awkward moments of MS. So MSNBC live. From the terrace homes, uh, and uh, Harry, you're bad. in that scrum, I guess. Okay, so Andrew, I think we're going to wait a minute. You can see there's a crush of cameras here. There's people holding up their cell phones, taking snapshots. Um, and and here, here's just some uh, mixed nuts with peanuts. I want to take a look at the calendar and see if anything's marked on the calendar. And I don't see anything. That's November, so let's go over here to December. Just see if anything of importance was, was marked he expecting on the calendar a big here. red circle and nothing there. And it's just a typical sort of calendar with what kind um, of uh, what kind of computer else. equipment, Carrie? Now, presumably the FBI yes, has taken anything. Exactly. That- do they have a MacBook? Do they have a MacBook? It wasn't a Packard Bell. And he's given us permission the- to come in and also to touch this stuff. So it's not as if I'm touching things that I shouldn't be touching. So you might check to see if anything is written so on the back of these of- pictures. Yeah, the Any look dates? Hey, this looks like it may have been some sort of birthday party. Let's make sure we don't know. Okay, here's the let's make sure we don't see the children. Let's not let's not show the child. As he's showing pictures of the child, right? Let's not show the child. And I'm sorry, Andrea, this is sort of unfolding live as we're doing I it, so I'm not sure what the next picture's going to be until yeah. I pull them open. Then All maybe right. you shouldn't now, do it! Now, watch how flustered he gets. And but he knows he's live, but he wants to cuss so bad because Andrea... So, for those of you... Do you know who Andrea Mitchell's husband is? Uh, do you remember? N- no. Oh, come on. It's good. Greenspan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Andrea... I'm totally space. So, Andrea Mitchell is, like, super, super elite. Not only that, but she's, like, super revered within the NBC organization. Well, now the Comcast organization. So, it's basically, like, you don't you don't talk bad about Andrea Mitchell. And so, he gets really flustered because not only is he live, but one of the messiahs of the network is instructing him. And so, watch him. Here, this is... I mean, I feel for this guy. So, we've got quite a number of pictures of children here. Again, it's... Vultures, dude. I think we okay, should. Okay, we're going to step Carrie, away from the Carrie, pictures for a see, moment. Why don't we go to the? Let's see in the other side of the. the, other, he, does, the next room. he does the hand. He puts the hands together, Chase. <laughs> He's like, now, now I, I, I just, I'm so glad to have you here for this because Ugh. as somebody who's been on air before and yes. live at like an event, like at PAX or something like let's this, like see in the other side. When you, when you do the hand to the mouth like that. 
that is like the Hail Mary, like, I am about to lose my shit. That, I need to, like, dial it down. Yeah. Look, look at the guy on the right. Yeah. Look at that lawyer, like, <laughs> how you doing? Out of the, the, other, the next room. And then, look, he can't even say the words. He has to just point. Say, okay, so we have an LG monitor. <gasps> oh, nice. Um, are you going to... Well, we have a check here from Chase. Oh, thank you. To Syed <laughs> Farouk for $7.98. You're welcome. Nice. Over seven bucks, dude. <laughs> Big spender. I know. Here is one of these sort of all-in-one... All-in-one printers and... Look at this. Look at this. Can you believe this? And, and, and advertisers pay for this. Scanners. Here. We have to step back a little bit, Bill, because there's a crowd that wants to step in as you come out. Room here and spread out on the, uh, spread out, appears to be credit cards and IDs. Another reporter who's on the phone reporting, like, so you got these two vultures here. So here's one of the ones. Here's an ID. All right, here we go. So California ID. Let me just look at it first. Okay. Rifa Sultana Farouk. Look at that. They're putting all of her information on there, her entire credit card, with her signature. We have uh, a driver's license. revenue support clerk business services from Kaiser so, Permanente. Wow. We have a so basically driver's license. driver's licenses. We have, yeah, we have two books that appear to be the Quran. Let me just sort of lean over. <gasps> the Quran, Chase. Oh, my gosh. Here and see. Okay, well, they're in Carrie, Arabic. You, this, again, is in the baby's so room. strange about all of this. Uh, obviously, this is all unfolding live. We had no expectation that they were going to open up the house at this moment. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was, that was really something, Chase. You know, uh, I do have, I do have a different angle on it. Oh? Uh, yeah, yeah, check this one out. This is a really interesting angle here. This is some vultures. There's a stillborn baby in parlor. <laughs> you see how the look of the vultures just going crazy, Chase? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and let them in now. Uh, oh, 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 there they are. They're live on the air now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there you go. That's the, that. Wow. Yeah, this is live coverage of. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, mustaches. Yeah, it is. It is really something to see that. Uh, yeah, so we'll have we have more clips uh, in the show notes, including so, uh, it's the it, you know. Did you see my Did you see my favorite my favorite one where the guy's showing the picture live on air? Uh, like just you know, they're super personal pictures uh, of like you know the wife in her bra and the husband with his hand on her boob and things like that. Just like stuff that shouldn't be going out on air. Jeez, it's the media is disgusting. That's. There's got to be a level of professionalism, and that was way out the window. Because, in in to be fair, I mean, there's got to be a standboard reporter like him. If you know he has any level of integrity, would say, you know what? I know you're yelling at me and my producer, but this is not why I went to the Edward R. Murrow of broadcasting, <laughs> right? You know, this is no, not why I became you know a broadcaster. They get, they get under so much pressure because oh, yeah, they're just, they they want to. St- you yeah. know, you know what is interesting is CNN pioneered this: stay on one story. Just wall to wall when that airplane went down yeah. or disappeared, right? Right. And now every you know, and I thought they would be condemned and ridiculed for it. I thought they would be just. I thought that that would be a. Here is the a, here is peak mainstream media. This is peak mainstream media, and what a joke they have become because they stay on one story and just milk it. Yeah. And now yeah. you know what happened. MSNBC and Fox did the same exact thing. And so now what we have is this. They are so desperate. They're so desperate, Chase, that they go in there and they just make a mockery More of it. More on the victims throughout the hour. And as we told you, there in the house that belonged to these two killers. 
Authorities found thousands of rounds of ammunition and even a bomb-making facility. And shortly after they got done with their investigation, they turned the apartment over to the landlord, who then let the media run right in. Now, that is a narrative. That is a narrative. They're, well, the, land, they, the FBI just turned it over. And, they, you know, the FBI just turned it over because they went in there and they took their tricorders and their holographic imagers. Right. And they took a complete scan of every they single fingerprint. They needed. And they got images of everything. They took their Oculus imaging kit so that way they can go into the Oculus VR recreation of the, of the apartment. Right. Right. And so they're, just go ahead. Go ahead and go in Fox there. Fox News contributor Rod Wheeler is in Redlands, California, former homicide detective, and has been closely watching this investigation. Rod, you would have thought that the FBI would have been in there for a week tearing that place down to the studs. Instead, it seemed like they took a few things, left a nice list of what they took, and then left things like a Quran that I saw in there, prayer rugs. Who knows right. what was hidden inside that stuff? Absolutely. Well, it's not an unusual, just so that the viewers understand, anytime we do a search warrant inside of a home like this, you have to leave what we call a receipt. And that's a, a listing of everything that's on that that they took out. Now, the question becomes, in this case, who did they leave it for? Because they knew that the two occupants of this home were no longer coming back. These were the suspects that were killed. It was really unusual, though, Leland, for them to turn over this scene yesterday to the general public and the media. Could just Anybody could just go in there. And the reason that was unusual is because typically in a homicide or in, a, in an investigation, what you want to do is leave an officer stationed here at the scene for at least seven to ten days in case you got to go back to get more evidence out of the home. In this case now, because of what happened yesterday, Leland, if there's any more evidence in there, they can forget about it. Nobody's going to go back in there and get any evidence at this point. That's why it seems crazy to me. Amazing. <laughs> it really does, right? It's just... It really is something. It is. It was a full media free-for-all. Fail. Uh, Mr. Chase, uh, yes. why don't we... Uh, why don't we? Uh, oh, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I do have something special for you. Do you know that every now and then, like uh, when I'm when I'm putting this stuff together, I think, what would Chase like? What would Chase really enjoy? What would Chase Bot do? Yeah. Well, what? 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 What was that? What would Chase Bot do? Chase. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, you're right. right. You're a yeah. Chase Bot. I'm not really here right now. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. So uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we take a little uh, deviation and uh, let's talk about the war on terror? We're gonna, ISIL. ISIL. Chris. And oh. Right, ISO, Chris. Right. ISO, Chris. And, you know, people on the uh, on the news networks, they get fired up. And uh, when they say things they shouldn't say, there are repercussions. Unlike your unfiltered show where I can say stupid things or I can fry some bacon. And there's no, like, I don't get fired kind of repercussions. No, you just break chairs. I, really? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Throwback. Jeez, that is uh, uh, that is like uh, th- that's a those, callback. What do you remember the episode off the top of your head? No, I don't. Oh man, there, there is a there is a uh, let's not let's not uh, let's not get into that. I still I still say that breaking the chair is not as bad as what this guy no, did. No, fair enough. What, um, what uh, Ralph Peters is one of the biggest jerks on the air, and he has not made it into the Unfiltered Show much because I can't stand listening to him. But what I want to do here for you is I want to play the moment that got him fired from Fox News. Ooh. Fired. And uh, I think it's a good underscore of why crowd-supported Patreon.com slash Unfiltered, that kind of funding is extremely important. It's going up. 
Let's get right to the president's speech last night on terrorism. Do you remember the uh, president had a speech on, did you, you uh, uh, yeah. that was in the intro clip, yeah, yeah, Obama right. had a big speech about Absolutely. terrorism. Yeah. So it was, uh, he was up against Sunday Night Football. So yes, was, yeah. and so uh, yeah, go go to Ralph to get reaction. I'm bringing in Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters. All right, Ralph, I have a question for you. I know you watched last night. I want to know, what were you saying to the TV as the president was speaking? What was your commentary as this, uh, as the president's speech unfolded? Well, first of all, he keeps speaking about we can't give in to our fears. Uh, you know, don't be afraid. Look, Mr. President, we're not afraid. We're angry. We're pissed off. We're furious. Yes. Yes. We want you to react. We want you to do something. You're afraid. I mean, this guy is such a total pussy. It's stunning. There you go. And, you know, we want the, we the people, the American people, whom he uh. he does not know. In any sort of of manner. We want action. We want action against Islamic State. And then, then, when the president is telling us, you know, he is going to destroy ISIS. This is a president who has done more harm to American police departments than he has done to Islamic State. This is a president who restrains our military. He uses it not to defeat ISIS, but for political purposes, for political cover. This is a president who doesn't want to hurt our enemies. This is a president who cares more about thugs in Guantanamo or thugs in Ferguson, Missouri. Man, is this guy not just the perfect mouthpiece of the uh, angry industrial military complex? Wow. And can you imagine the host is scrambling at this point? You of can, what you, did you hear him? Go, yeah. uh, okay. uh, and you could hear some, he dropped some papers. And he does about law-abiding American citizens. Biden. My, law Biden. Law Biden. Thugs yeah. in Ferguson, Missouri. He does about law-abiding American citizens okay, and their Ralph, right to live okay. in safety I, and I, peace. I can tell you are super angry. And drunk. And I asked you what your reaction was, but I got to call you. I, you can't use language like that on the program, okay? I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, don't be afraid. Look, Mr. President, we're not afraid. We're angry. We're pissed off. We're furious. <laughs> yes. You think this guy's drunk? Yeah, he doesn't look drunk. I don't know. I think he's drunk. You think we want so? to you to react. We want. We want to you. We want to you to react. Listen to him. We're pissed off. We're furious. Yes. We want to you to react. We want to you to react. We're pissed off. We're furious. Yes. We want to you to react. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see. What I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. This guy. He's under a lot of pressure. He's the. Uh, he's <laughs> the. So really, when you come on, you need to comment and you need to have an opinion. And they go to you when they want a really extreme reaction. So right. I, I feel like this guy. He's under a lot of pressure to be the extreme he angry. Delta to twelve. Right. Yeah. He. He's like you know. I know if I'm going to get to twelve, well, I got to have a couple of drinks. We're pissed off. We're furious. <laughs> yes. We want you to react. We want you to do something. You're afraid. I mean, this guy is such a total pussy. It's stunning. It's stunning. So, yeah, he was, uh, quote unquote, suspended. Yeah. Summarily dismissed. Yeah, not not surprising there. No, not at all. All right, moving uh, right along. Uh, so I've been suspecting that this uh, this guy, your buddy, your good, My good friend, friend, yeah, Al Baghdadi. Ah, uh, how's Al doing? You know, we still just have that same B roll of him up there by the fan. Oh uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the tight shots from weird angles yeah. that could be easily done over a screen screen. But uh, your uh, your other friends over at RT, yeah, what they are they, up to? they are doubling down now and just calling shit out. They are just now. So here's what happened, Chase. While you were gone, it turns out Turkey shot down a Russian jet. 
Yeah. No. Turns out. And so uh, since... Was that because they were, the jet was flying like some of this weird route over the, the country and they're on their uh, way to Syria? It turns out they were accidentally flying over uh, the ISIS oil line, which was going into Turkey, and Turkey didn't Chris, like that. Chris, do you uh, understand? Uh, did, did this jet have not a Garmin? <laughs> Right. So ever since that thing got shot down, uh, I love our I love watching RT because they're just they're all in now on calling everybody out. And it's so great to watch. And so this is one point. So your big friend, Al Baghdadi, good friend, uh, he's the he's the big orchestrator of all things ISIS, this completely uh, this totally desperate group of people. He's the big leader. Turns out kind of like kind of like Anderson Cooper. Uh, he spent some time with the U.S. military. Oh. Meanwhile, a former head of the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency has dubbed America as stupid. <laughs> as stupid. For releasing stupid. a future terrorist leader during the Iraq war. So al-Baghdadi, uh, he gets called in. He's a big terrorist. They bring him into jail. They have some conversations. And then all of a sudden, his status magically changes to not a bad guy. And then they let him out. Abu Bakir al-Baghdadi was detained in Fallujah in 2004, but was let go a few months later after being deemed a low-level threat. Now think about that for a second. Dude gets brought into prison, goes through some interview processes, decide, ah, you're not a big threat, gets released, and now he's the leader of ISIS. (laughs) Does that add up to you? No. We were too stupid. We didn't understand who we had there at that moment. When 9-11 happened, emotions took over, and our response was, where did they come from? Let's go kill them. Let's go get them. Instead of asking why they attacked us, we asked where they came from. Then we strategically marched in the wrong direction. Al-Baghdadi heads Islamic State. He's overseen mass executions of civilians in uh, religious and ethnic cleansing and masterminded scores of terror attacks. More than 10 years after his brief detention, the U.S. is now desperate to recapture him, offering a $10 million bounty. Uh, We spoke to former CIA officer Jack Rice. He says the decision to release the terrorist has now come back to haunt Washington. I would argue that Washington isn't so stupid. I would argue that he was released on purpose. That would be what I would put out there. If I was just spitballing. Right. Yeah, of course. Let's bring people up on uh, the good old uh, Russia and Syria. And uh, I don't know if you're uh, up to date, but uh, UK lawmakers did vote to go bomb in Syria. Yes. How soon could we uh, begin to see British warplanes arriving there? Well, it could be within the next hour. Uh, Philip Hammond, uh, the foreign secretary, is speaking to me earlier on, and I asked him that question. He said, effectively, they have the assets in place. They're uh, largely in Cyprus, a UK base there, and uh, it's just a case of arming the jets. Uh, and uh, uh, they've been identifying the targets already, so they're confident. Hoorah, Chase. So they're ready to go. They're confident. They're good to go. In the meantime, uh, a lot of things have been developing since the Paris attacks. Uh, France and Germany are now partnering up with Moscow to go after ISIS. They're not working with the U.S. and its coalition with Turkey. Hmm. They are working together on their own campaign. They're working with Putin directly. Wow. Germany and France and others. And so 
I had to wonder what would be the division there? What is the dividing thing that makes Germany and France want to work with Putin instead of working with U.S. Was and it Turkey because and Saudi of the Arabia? NSA uh, wiretaps? That would be that would be interesting, right? Like yeah. the resentment over that. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't actually think that's what it is anymore. I think it comes down fundamentally to our policy on Assad. The U.S. coalition. Uh, is Assad must go. Whenever we say a political solution, what we really mean, the political solution is a shorthand for getting Assad out of power. Right. A regime change. A regime change. The entire reason why Turkey and Israel and the U.S. and Saudi Arabia and Qatar and others are backing ISIS and supplying them with ammo and trucks and Humvees and guns and bombs, the reason why we're doing and giving them money and communications equipment and training and the CIA is working with them, the reason why we're doing all of that is because we want to overthrow the Assad regime, as we call it, right. you know, the, the democratically yeah. elected president of Syria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then you have others like Moscow, like Moscow uh, and, and now apparently France and Germany, who don't necessarily feel like we need to overthrow Assad. What we need to do is bomb the shit out of ISIS. And so this has now become the division. Are you an Assad toppler or are you an Assad backer? Right. And that is the defining line. And so there is a representative out of Hawaii, a Democrat, who wants to make this the policy of the U.S. And the pol- her policy is, let's go after ISIS. Stop trying to fight Assad. But there's, there's a bigger issue here, issue here that I'm concerned with, and that is the fact that the U.S. and the CIA are working to overthrow the Syrian government of Assad, uh, while Russia, a longtime ally of Assad for decades now, is working to defend or uphold this Syrian government of Assad. And this, this puts us in a position of a possible direct head-to-head conflict with Russia as long as the U.S. and CIA continue down this path. And I want to say one of the things that's interesting about this is in the case of France and Germany and Russia, they all have a completely legal authorization to strike ISIS. When, when, when Putin began to strike ISIS, it was completely legal. When Germany and, and France are beginning to do this, they has gone. you can argue with the results, but it has properly gone through their legal system. All of our war is based on Obama's direct authorization, based on a continuing emergency resolution to fight bad guys that are linked to al-Qaeda. So our, our legal authorization to do this is extremely, extremely tenuous. Congress has not authorized no. this war, right? So here we are in this position to go after and topple Assad when we don't even have a legally authorized war against his government. Well, how, do you, how does the U.S. and Russia avoid that head-on contact? Because you're absolutely right. The U.S. wants to get rid of Bashar al-Assad. The Russians want to boost him and protect him together with the Iranians, their allies, the Lebanese Hezbollah group. Uh, they're trying to prop him up. Uh, so how do you avoid that potential collision? Very simple. The U.S. and the CIA should stop this illegal and counterproductive war to overthrow the Syrian government uh, of Assad and should stay focused on fighting against who our enemy is. You know what I like about her? Mm. She's saying the CIA because this is a huge thing. The Pentagon says, oh, they've trained five, uh, five people over there. That's that is a misnomer because the CIA has been doing this for years. They've right. been funding they've, them. They've, they've been, been training involved. thousands. Yeah. Right? right. The Islamic extremist groups, because right now we're seeing why this is counterproductive by working towards that end, by working towards overthrowing the Syrian government of Assad. We are not only strengthening our enemy, uh, the Islamic extremists, who will walk in and take over all of the country of Syria. Right now, they have about half of the, the country under their control. But it also puts us in that position of a potential direct head-to-head conflict with Russia, which brings us to the brink of a potential larger conflict of a World War III type situation. And this is my main issue, is that we are flirting with World War III. 
Why do you say the U.S. effort to get rid of Bashar al-Assad's regime is counterproductive and illegal? So we have been arming people that are essentially mercenaries. They're contractors for hire. We're giving them guns yeah. and we're saying, go at it. Try to topple this regime. What happens after it's done? Where do all those people go? It is an extremely, extremely dangerous plan. And it's essentially ensuring we have future enemies, right? Yeah. And so. And then they have the weapons with that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And the training. Yeah, exactly. And the money. Right. And the communications equipment and the Toyotas. Well, first White of all, there's not been a vote in Congress to authorize the use of force, to authorize a war, to overthrow a sovereign government. For as long as I've been there, that hasn't happened. It didn't happen before I got there. Uh, so the American people haven't had a choice to speak their voice, to approve or disapprove such a war. Therefore, uh, it's illegal. Secondly, it is counterproductive because right now, uh, U.S. arms are getting into the hands of our enemy, al-Qaeda, al-Nusra, these other groups, Islamic extremist groups who are our sworn enemy. These are groups who attacked us on 9-11 and who supposedly were trying to defeat, yet at the same time supporting them with these arms to overthrow this Syrian So you government. don't even want the U.S. to provide weapons or arms to these anti-Bashar al-Assad You're crazy. Rebels. I don't want the U.S. government to provide weapons to al-Qaeda, to Islamic extremists, to our enemy. I think it's a, it's a very simple concept in my mind that you can't defeat your enemy if you're arming them and helping them at the same time. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Have you told this to officials at the White House? We've had conversations both in hearings. And- that's a chicken shit answer, and that was, that's a tell right there, I think. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, anyways, uh, I want one last point she has. Yeah, well, if it concerns me deeply to see this uh, tremendous and tragic human suffering, I think it's important for leaders of the world, leaders here in the United States, to look at this issue, though, and say, okay, if, if you do uh, in Syria what happened in Libya, what happened in Iraq, because the same things that are being said about Assad right now were said about Gaddafi. They were said about Saddam Hussein by those who were advocating for the U.S. to go in and intervene to overthrow those regimes and those dictators. The fact is that if that happens here in Syria, as U.S. leaders and others are advocating for, we will end up with a situation far worse than we're seeing today. We'll end up in a situation with far greater human suffering, with far greater persecution of religious minorities and Christians uh, in Syria, and our enemy will be far stronger. They will take over the entire country of Syria. They will have greater weapons and capabilities and present a greater threat, not only to the people in the region, but to the world. So anyways, I thought that was particularly – I think her point is if we actually cared about stopping ISIS, if we actually cared about the threat that they pose to the U.S. and the world, Mm -hmm. we would give up on toppling Assad and we would just figure out – Concentrate on what needs to be concentrated on. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, And of course, that uh, isn't likely to happen because there is a bit of – an unspoken rule between our allies. So we have this coalition and uh, Turkey is a big player. Turkey, a member of NATO. And yet it seems almost like it's become obvious that Turkey is one of the number one sponsors of ISIS since the shooting down, the sh- the, whatever you, what, the downing is how they say it, yeah, the of the Russian jet. Yeah. Uh, they've been, it has been all like all out there. Here's what Turkey is doing. And now not only is Russia calling Turkey out for supporting ISIS via purchasing their oil, but now the government of Iraq is as well. The Iraqi prime minister has accused neighboring Turkey of being the main conduit for ISIL's oil smuggling business. We hope for international support to prevent terrorists entering Syria and Iraq. This is the Iraqi prime minister. And to stop Daesh smuggling of petrol, among other things, including Iraqi antiquities. 
Most of this smuggling, including that of terrorists, frankly, happens via Turkey. And the terrorist organization is making big bucks off the crude, according to new research. ISIL generates an estimated $80 million a month. Wow. And oil makes up 43% of that. The rest comes from confiscation, drug smuggling and donations. The White House has known about the <laughs> terrorist oil trades for quite a while. Auntie Scanichichikan looks into why Washington put off doing anything about it. Well, we'll stop right there. We know I was why say, well, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, what bank is Are the Wells Fargo mm-hmm, Chase? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, so that was Iraq calling out Turkey. And of course, I've mentioned this before, but so is Moscow. History has presented evidence it says shows the Turkish leadership is involved in the illegal oil trade with Islamic State. The activity is thought to be worth $2 billion to the terrorists every year. Artis Gizdiev is here with me in the studio to discuss this in more detail. Can we just stop for a second and just recall the fact that Turkey is one of our key allies in our coalition against ISIS? Can we also stop here for a moment and yeah. acknowledge the fact that Turkey is a NATO member? And, 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 and here we are just talking openly about how they are funding ISIS. Well, uh, it's been quite an eventful day in, uh, that we've heard some pretty powerful revelations from Russia's defense ministry. Do talk us through what happened there. Well, it was uh, in your face. They charged uh, Turkish President uh, Erdogan, his family, his friends, business associates, Turkish elites with being in on uh, oil smuggling operations from Syria carried out by uh, terrorists. The very top elites in the very top, just like how Hunter Biden is over in the Ukraine now running the oil companies over there. You know, Joe Biden's son. The very top elites have these connections directly to ISIS members. By Daesh, by Al-Qaeda in Syria. Apparently, they allowed oil um, ferry transported by these terrorists to be smuggled into Turkey via three three different routes uh, and sold off to third-party buyers. Some of it sold off domestically. Now, apparently, they're selling this oil under market price. So somebody is making a killing, especially when you, uh, when you uh, take into account the numbers that are involved, that they were making $3 million a day. Now that's uh, The gains hard. are significant. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They've, uh, Russian airstrikes have uh, significantly degraded their oil infrastructure. They're now making $1.5 million a day. Nevertheless, that's uh, a huge amount of money, which is... Isn't it interesting that Russia immediately focused on the oil infrastructure? Right out of the gate on their attacks. And here's another interesting area. So there you got you have Turkey that is re- apparently responsible for receiving ISIS's oil and then selling it to countries like Israel and, of course, inside Turkey itself. But not just in the oil trade. Turkey is also patching up ISIS's wounded soldiers. Oh. Now, reports have emerged in the media Nick. suggesting that Turkish hospitals have been treating jihadists wounded on the battlefields of Syria. Dogu Eroglu is one of the journalists who broke the story this is what he told us. Uh, you can watch the entire clip in the supporters' sink. But uh, there you go. So Turkey's supposedly patching up wounded ISIS soldiers, Chase. Well, they need medics, right? So you've got a, Demo- you got a Democratic Jesus. senator coming out of Hawaii saying, let's stop the fight on Assad. you right. got you got uh, Iraq and uh, Russia saying, here is Turkey funding ISIS. I- Turkey being one of our uh, closest allies in the fight against right. ISIS. Yeah. And now, interestingly, just at the no- end of November, once Russia was in the fight for uh, three weeks, we decided to start striking the oil lines of ISIS after a year. And on top of all of that, there is accusations of intelligence manipulation 
that would falsely report on the success of the war against ISIS to make it look like it's been going much better than it actually is. How do you reconcile all of that, Mr. Chase? What are your thoughts, sir? Well, you know, it's, it's, it was, it's one of those things where we're not surprised because remember, we heard back a long time ago that, you know, this, this kind of propaganda, you can blatantly lie about it and it's legal, right? Remember, it was one of those mm-hmm. regulations or laws. I think it was mine an FCC thing. I forget. And so when you pull that and now you can just basically say and do whatever you want and tell the American public what isn't going on, essentially, and you're not telling them the whole truth and the elitists at the top, they're, they're, they're still getting their pay. Yeah. They're still getting their, their money, so to speak. I mean, it's more, it's more about trying to pay a picture of more power and more control. And, and that's, the, that's the part that just – Speaking of more power bugs. and control, uh, Daesh, your buddies over at ISIS. Uh, ISIS and ISIL. Yeah, they're about to set up a complicated government structure. The Islamic State expects its so-called caliphate to work like a sophisticated government, complete with factories, military camps, even a health department. <laughs> that's according to the reporting of the British newspaper The Guardian, which claims to have obtained internal documents from that terror group. They show a blueprint that the Islamic State published last year detailing how its territories in Iraq and Syria should operate. In that blueprint, ISIS calls for the creation of various government departments. That includes education, jobs, and public relations. Fighters are required to go to training camps where they will also receive lessons on the enemy. And apparently children are no exception. Kids must be trained on how to use light weapons. Andrew Tabler is with us now. He's a fellow at the D.C.-based think tank, Washington Institute, where he focuses on Syria and U.S. policy in the region. He's also the author of a book, In the Lion's Den, and I would account on Washington's battle with Syria. Do you, do you grok any of this? Like, does it really land? Or do you hear this and go, this is no, a, a structured it government? It doesn't land, especially when you bring somebody in and they're just plugging their book. Last but not least, your buddy. From the trail down to the hill where some lawmakers are calling for drastic changes <laughs> in the U.S. mission against ISIS to crush the safe haven in Iraq and Syria. Wall Street Journal, Senator John McCain and Lindsey Graham write the following. President Obama is fond of invoking lessons from America's recent wars. The simplest and most important lesson, however, is the one he rarely mentions. Apocalyptic terrorists cannot be allowed to have sanctuary and ungoverned spaces from which to plan attacks against the West. The Arizona Center is my guest now. John McCain, good morning. Thanks for coming back. You also call for two to three times the forces on the ground in Iraq today. What is the realistic chance that happens under this administration? There's a need for a rescue mission. When the world is threatened, the world needs help, it calls on America. Yeah! And that's the story. Well, I'm always uh, hopeful. Uh, Jimmy Carter had a very, uh, shall I say, pacifistic view uh, uh, until the Russians invaded Afghanistan, and he changed much to his everlasting credit. I was hoping that uh, the San Bernardino attack might change this president, but frankly, I don't know what's going to change this president. Meanwhile, as uh, Lindsey Graham and I pointed out, uh, ISIS is metastasizing. They're establishing a significant base in Libya, and they're in at least seven other countries in the region. Libya. Huh. Oh. Imagine that. Imagine that. Chase, uh, to celebrate uh, you returning to the show, I felt it was only appropriate for us to get out of here on a high note oh. and a local high note at that. You know, one of the things about Washington's recreational marijuana program is it doesn't have any provisions for growing your own. 
That's true. Colorado had that figured out. And the medical system, which was unregulated, has a great grow-your-own policy. Yeah. And so now Washington state lawmakers are looking into this very important issue. Wait, you mean Washington state is is thinking about doing it right after Colorado and Oregon? Only because your good friend. My good buddy. Rick Steves. Ah, uh, is he back from another trip to Amsterdam? He's back from another trip, and Rick Steves, travel expert, yes. wants Washington to grow its own pot. Right. I hope your plants are happier with the rain than they were with the drought earlier hey. this year. We're- By the way, no joke, it has been raining ridiculous. It has been. By raining. the way, you know we we make fun that you know we've had one of the best summers ever. Yeah, it was, it was it gorgeous. Was great. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Yeah. And people think it rains a lot up here. Yeah. It actually does right now. It, it is ridiculous. It is, it's amazing. It is like uh, it is nonstop uh, aggressive. Like like okay, I got a little story. I went to KFC yesterday. I get out of the truck because I didn't want to do the drive through because yeah. it's raining so hard. I don't want to roll down the window. Right. <laughs> My, wow! My vehicle will get drenched, right? So I get out of the truck. Only I didn't park appropriately, and I open the door, and the rain and wind are blowing so hard. You got wet anyway. Immediately, <laughs> like like it, it, it washes through the entire vehicle, hits the passenger door from the driver's side. It was Amazing. ridiculous. And so, yeah. So what's Rick saying? Yeah. So Rick, uh, Rick agrees. The uh, nice Pacific Northwest uh, is just for right. Plants. Yeah. Are happier with the rain than they were with the drought earlier this year. We're going to talk about plants now, specifically the psycho. Active kind of all of the states that have legalized recreational marijuana, this is the only one that doesn't let you grow your own. The Washington State Legislature is talking about changing that, and Rick Steves says, "Hooray!" The host of Travel with Rick Steves was a big supporter and funder of our original marijuana initiative. Steves told KOW's Jeannie Yandel that because we were one of the first states to legalize, the law needed to be conservative. But now, he says, Washington is ready to legalize home growing. I personally think it's a great idea to let people grow it at home because I don't want marijuana to go the route of tobacco and have, you know, Joe Camel and, and big tobacco and big marijuana. And just by the nature of our society, you know, if there's money to be made, it's going to attract big corporate interest and they're going to have the clout. And uh, I like the idea of having home grow because it gives people a, an option to uh, having to buy something from a, a giant organization. They can just have a few plants on their windowsill and it's not a big deal. You said that I-502 was written conservatively to respect people's nervousness around marijuana. Why do you think that people were more comfortable with buying marijuana legally than they were with growing marijuana legally? Well, I think people just didn't know what it was going to be like to have just kind of open a floodgate. I mean, a lot of people were nervous that there was a whole reservoir of decent people that were just going to ruin their lives smoking pot and our whole community would become one big, giant, out-of-control hemp fest. And uh, we had to respect that. And we had to be very, very strict on home grow, on DUI concerns, on advertising limits, and all these things. I like how Rick Stevens has become, like, the guy that made legal yeah, marijuana possible. Right. I like this positioning he's doing here. And uh, take things in baby steps. And uh, I, I just think that people were, we were the first society, we were the first political entity to deal with the backside of this whole marijuana challenge. And, you know, I just think we wanted to pair it way back and making sure that things were controlled. So then was it always part of the plan to get grow your own marijuana legalized once everyone saw that buying marijuana legally was not going to destroy society? Are you buying this? Uh, Maybe not the angle that he's trying to project, but sure. I mean, I've always seen like, why is Washington have to be so now 
the worst of the legal states, right? Why does Washington have to do that? Uh, obviously, with this whole push now to take the the unregulated medical market and make it regulated in this state and try to mirror it like Colorado, if they want to truly mirror it like Colorado, let citizens legally grow. Now, to be fair, uh, if you are a card carrying member in Washington State, you can grow. Uh, and you do have right to do so. I think what Rick is talking about here is making it, you know, f- growable for anybody. Yeah. Well, they've been making it progressively harder to be ge- to be a card carrier. Right. Uh, and so bigger yeah, hoops to jump through. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. And so it's it's just it was. I kind of I kind of grok what he's saying though. Maybe do start conservative and then open it up. The fact that they're willing to actually expand it is encouraging. So I got a great question for you. I mean, I know you may not have a clip on this, or maybe you do, but uh, obviously our friends to the north, Canada. You know, they have a new government. Oh, I have a link, but I don't have a clip. Okay, you know, they have a new prime minister, Justin Trudeau, and one of the platforms that you know he went in on was to legalize marijuana countrywide, mm-hmm. and they would be the first G nine country to do so. Uh, obviously, I they they have the support to do it. Uh, they they are now the government in power up there, and it's probably going to happen at some point. The question is now, once it does become finalized and our neighbors to the north is fully legal through all their provinces, when's the matter of time where it's going to be dropped down from schedule one or a down to b? I mean, at this point, you know, all these states that are legalizing it. There's still that in that huge. Are you roadblock. asking me in episode 169 to make a red book prediction? Yes, I am. You know, I'm back. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was softball. All right, it for all right. You. So uh, that's a good question, Chase. That's a because you know Canada, they they got Harper out of there. The Conservative Party's gone, and now Trudeau, in his father's footsteps, is getting back in there, charging yeah. the base, and so they're bringing I, weed. Th- I, I, uh, I go back to whenever you make me do like long-term predictions like this, I do have some source material I refer to. I, uh, I listened to a really interesting audiobook that talked about things in a way that there is some really interesting historical cycles we go through. Right. And I'm a big fan of going back and looking at history and saying, okay, what do we do in similar situations in the past? And if, uh, if, if I'm to give you that prediction... Now, the, it, this is a really tough one, yeah. but I believe our next president will be a very— Which you've already predicted being Hillary Clinton, by Yeah, the way. it's going to be a very sort of—gosh, oh, we almost made the big change. We almost went Bernie. We almost went Trump. But we don't. We go establishment. And it doesn't go so well. The economy doesn't improve. So you still the, think the, by the, the way war Bernie- on drugs doesn't improve that much. Right. It really—it's just a continuation of Obama. And then after Hill Dog. It is somebody Cray gets in there. Somebody really like your your third party candidate type you, crazy. No, no, no. Jeb Bush makes another run. No, no. I'm talking like your your third party crazy kind of candidate goes in there. And and they they really shake things up. They pressure the rescheduling. I say it's not in this election, it's it's in the next election after Hill Dog. Hill Dog comes in, she may be a one term president. She may be a two-term president if she's got a really good team like Obama has underneath right. her to, to organize. Yeah. But Hill Dog could actually be a one-term president. I reserve the right to change that. Okay. And then the president after her is the one that repressures this rescheduling, and then it happens. Cyber- so not in not not in the next— It won't happen in the next five years. Yes. Side prediction, it will come up during the major presidential debates. They will talk about it. No way. It will. It will come up. That is my prediction during the no major way, presidential debates. They will talk about it. They, they don't talk they, about the drone no, war. They, they don't talk they, about no, NSA. They're going to have to talk about it because our friends to the north is doing it. They're going to have to. It's oh, gonna, you're right. They're yeah. going to have to talk about it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yep.
Yeah, that might be. You might be onto something. You might be onto something. Yes. You might. All right. So guess what? I think I'm looking at the calendar. I think we only have one more show this year. The 16th. I'd love to have you join us live. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And then we're out for a holiday break? Yeah. So we're out the week of Christmas. and Week I, of New Year's? I don't know. The week of the 30th, what? we'll talk. Uh, what, what day is that? Is that a Wednesday, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a Wednesday. I can't make it that day, unfortunately. Well, there you go. So this, so join us for the 16th. It might be the last show of the year. Of, of 2015. By the way, though, next it's year. It's been a crazy ne- couple of weeks. But next year, it's going to be so good. You guys remember, four years ago, when Chris and I were there at the uh, Jupiter oh, HQ gosh. Election Central. If we make it, that's 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 like. Isn't that an epic? That's over the hill. I know. It's amazing. I know. Uh, it the uh, You know, the Unfilter show has been, it has come back and just. With a vengeance, it has. There is so much going on between Russia, Turkey, Syria, ISIS, Paris, the NSA, the war against encryption, domestic terrorism, the San Bernardino shooting. All of that. It is so many threads to follow. It is taking more work than ever. We could really use your support over at Patreon.com/unfilter. By the way, if you have a successful payment in the month of November or December, you're going to get automatically entered. To win the JB Swing, if, if, if you follow the link in the show notes when they appear. Look out for those. Okay. Really good swag for the Unfiltered Show. Don't say what it is. Don't say what it is. You actually, I sent you a picture, but don't say what it is. It's it's secret. It's it's really cool. It's really cool. It's really cool. It's a total callback. Anyways, we got some good stuff coming up. There's so much we've been following. This show has been working double time. That's why it does kind of feel nice, like taking two weeks just to catch our breath. But then again, it feels like the entire world may change. So you never know. But if you're an Unfiltered supporter, you're always going to get whatever we do. Plus, you get access to the supporter show, all of the content, all of that. Mr. Chase, where should people follow you throughout? People can follow me on my Twitter page at at Nunes. That's N-U-N-E-S. A lot of you guys have said some kind words during the live show this evening, so thanks for following me there. Yeah, follow the network at Jupiter Signal. Follow me at Chris LES, unfiltered.reddit.com, and we'll see you right back here next week. week.